Okay, well, welcome to the Leader Game Studio Cast. I'm Clay, and today I'm talking with Nick Brockman, graphic designer and games developer here at Leader Games. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Clay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I wanted to ask Nick, what got you started in gaming in the first place? What piqued your interest? So it actually goes back to when I was probably even, you know, eight or ten years old. Um, my family, I come from a very, my dad's side of the family, very German. Uh -huh. um, and after, you know, we'd go out to the lake, we'd have our lake day. And then at the end of the day, they would all get together and play cards. Nice. Um, and it's your typical, you know, euchre, trick-taking games, sheep's head, things like that. Among all of the nephews and cousins and stuff, I was, even being the youngest, I was the first one who was interested in learning. I wanted to play cards with the sure. adults. Cool. Um, so yeah, it started off with like those really traditional trick-taking games. Euchre. Um, yep. Yeah. Euchre. Tons of Euchre. Tons of sheep's head, seven up, seven down. Uh -huh. And then, yeah. So those card games were really the basis of like my interest in it. Awesome. And that's how you kind of got started. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like that's that truly the, the core of it. And then um, that later on went to playing Yu-Gi-Oh! competitively mm -hmm. for a couple of years. Um, but yeah, it all started with card games. That was my, my big in. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So you were actually part of the Yu-Gi-Oh! tournament scene, huh? Yeah. I, um, so for a couple of years, um, when I was maybe in junior high or something, one of my friends busted out his big old tub of Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. And, you know, I uh -huh. kind of rolled my eyes and was like, oh, Yu-Gi-Oh! That was for kids. I played that years ago. Sure. But we, we pulled it out and made some decks that night. And whatever happened that night, you rekindled what would then turn into a new, like, five-year, six-year. The rest year. is history. Yeah, yeah, yeah of me <laughs> playing Yu-Gi-Oh! again competitively for, for a couple of years into, like, high school and college even. So what was, like, your best moment during, like, a Yu-Gi-Oh! tournament? <laughs> yeah. The most memorable thing that happened? Oh, man. So um, it was, this is a, a good story. It was regionals, and I was in high school still. There was prom or homecoming or some similar dance, right, that evening. Sure. Um, and I, regionals was that day, but I still, I needed to get my, I needed to go to regionals. Mm -hmm. So I go to regionals. I'm in the last round. Um, I need the win to get my invite for nationals. And I'm playing against this guy from our local... Um, you know, kind of a grognar type. Right? Sure. <laughs> um, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, hey, dude, I know you already have your invite. I need to go to, to homecoming. Can we, you know, can we work something out or can we play quick or whatever? And he's like, no, slow plays me the whole time. I, I 2-0 him the quickest games of the <laughs> whole tournament. Could, yeah. yeah, like 20 <laughs> minutes, you know, right? I, I sign the slip, I hand it off and I run off to homecoming. <laughs> and it was that, <laughs> nice. that moment of, of beating Chris and then going to homecoming. I was, I was the king of the world that day. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's a good story, Nick. So that's great. 2-0, and then you still made it to prom. Still okay. made it Perfect. to prom, right? Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't, couldn't have been better. With the invite to nationals. All right. So I know you're also into board games. So of tell course. me about that. Like, what is some of your favorite board games? Or what, what would you say your favorite board game of all time is? Ooh, favorite board game of all time. Well, that's really tough. One of the big ones that got me. See, I'm going to cheat a little bit. Um, so, so one of the big ones that got me into board games was Dominion, okay. actually. Um, and again, that comes from that interest in card gaming, right? This idea that you could build a, a deck in one sitting and play with that deck and win with it was yeah. this crazy concept to me. So Dominion was huge for me. I'd say that's easy top five. Um, and then not really a board game, but Netrunner um, would later on be, Absolutely, I'd say yeah. kind of as I, grow, as I grew up playing card games, you know, sure. as I matured, Netrunner was what I then grew into after playing Yu-Gi-Oh!, and just that, that to me is probably my number one game of all time is Netrunner right now Netrunner, still. Man. Yeah, pretty, pretty unbeatable and it's you know, how clever it is. And the quintessential asymmetric. True, yes. Game. Yeah, yeah. You would, I, I've never even thought about that really. Yeah. Yep. 
Awesome. Well, what would you say your favorite game convention is? I know now that you've been with Leader for a little while. You've been to a few conventions. And... Mm. So, yeah, my, you know, prior to working here, it was only Gen Con was the one I'd go to. And I'd love, um, my favorite part of Gen Con actually is the double exposure room where you play games that are in early development. So lately I have found that those really small events, and there's actually one coming up like Proto Spiel, uh-huh. um, okay. are, are really becoming some of my favorite to go to. Um, seeing designs when they're at that, you know, first 10, 15% of development is, I think, so enlightening. And you can learn a lot, even if yeah. even if the game's not done or it might never get finished. I, I think there's so much expression that's happening there in the community that you yeah. can pull from and talk to people about that. Um, those smaller events with, you know, 200 people or so who are talking about making games rather than what are you picking up? What are you buying? Right. Um, I've been more interested in that, you know. Kind designing. of being around all the creatives. And that yeah, energy. yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's lately what I've liked more, yeah. So it's, it's been fun. And we're going to be going to Protospiel, Minnesota just this weekend. Yeah, just this this very weekend I'm going. So yeah, no, that's that's why I brought it up even. Um, I, I love playing prototypes even at this stage. Like still working for Leader, playing games in the right. earliest phases has always been the, the juice of the, nice. the industry. So I want to ask something I know a lot of listeners are probably wondering. And that is, so Nick, you're actually a graphic designer mm-hmm. here at Leader Games. You're also a game developer. What is your typical workday like at Leader Games? What do you actually do? A typical day is very different whatever we're at in the process usually. So mm-hmm. some days it'll be coming in, sitting down, having a meeting with Patrick and Cole, both of our game designers, talking about what do we need to get done today, and then hammering through that stuff. Um, in the past two weeks, it's been a lot of playing games. That's kind of where I put on my developer hat a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm playing games with Cole. We're talking about what we can do to improve it. And then... This past week, I I put on my, my graphic designer hat, I put on my headphones, and it's just pure layout. Um, if you've done graphic design, you know kind of the, the unfun stuff. That's also sometimes what I'm doing. And during the, the grindy layout. stuff. Yeah, like the that. grindy stuff. It's, it's putting, you know, putting together files, laying stuff out, making sure everything's perfect. But a typical day probably, if I was going to estimate it, is four or five hours of graphic design content, usually an hour or two of game talk, game development stuff, and then maybe the other hours playing games or, you know, intermittent. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, for people that are, I know you're the uh, developer, you're part of the development team for Mysterious Manor. And for people that aren't familiar with Mysterious Manor, tell us about that. What is Mysterious Manor? So Mysterious Manor is us revisiting the vast uh, property mm-hmm. um, a second time. So in vast Mysterious Manor, it's a completely asymmetric five-player game where the goal is everybody has unique victory conditions as well as unique mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of the goal of Mysterious Manor was taking the essence of Crystal Caverns, all of the experience that we've learned as a company about asymmetric design and teaching yeah. asymmetric games, and diluting that back into what Vast can be at its best, we really think. This is a new experience for players who like Vast, yeah. um, or anybody who's interested in asymmetric design and missed the Crystal Caverns. Mysterious Manor is a fantastic jumping-in point to an even more asymmetric game than Root. Yeah. Um, which I think is one of the most interesting parts about it is it's after working on both. Um, I joined the company when Root was kind of in its final stages, so I didn't do as much development on that. But mm-hmm. the differences between them is becoming more apparent as you play. And the, the truer asymmetry of uh, Mysterious Manor kind of makes it even a more interesting object to explore at times. Yeah. So. yeah, I mean, we've been playing Mysterious Manor a lot in the studio lately, just kind of part of the development totally. process. And we were literally just talking today about how, you know, we, let's play it some more because we're getting some artwork from Kyle. Mm-hmm. And the artwork on the Shadow Paladin is just super inspiring and we all want to play some more now. Oh, yeah. When you're in this final, these final stages of development, um, 
you know, things like getting the minis in from China also is yeah, the second we got those minis, it lights a fire under everybody again. It's like, let's play 10 let's games. Let's play, let's play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, um, and yeah, same thing with Kyle's art. It, we're really starting to bring the worlds to life now as it comes to the end because Kyle's finishing his art. We're putting it all together. And I think the, um, I really like the, the narrative and the world that's built in Mysterious Manor also. I think it's a really cool place to explore. So I'm excited for everybody else to get to see that. Yeah. Well, what has it been like kind of developing Mysterious Manor? What's that been like overall? So this is my, I mean, I again did a little bit for Root, but this is truly my first time doing development for a game. Um, I've worked on my own designs in my free time and whatnot, but first time doing it professionally. And according to Colin Patrick, who have done it before, this is an atypical um, development pattern. But from my experience, since it's the only one, it's a lot of cross-checking yourself and not committing to something being too strong or too weak too yeah. early. There's, it can be really easy to have a knee-jerk reaction, change something, it cascades down, and now five other things have changed, and you, right. know, you can't even track what's, what's right, what's changed. Um, and with these asymmetric designs, I think it's about small tweak here, small tweak here, play it, see how things happen. Yeah. Um, because especially in Mysterious Matter, there's such a delicate balance between all five roles that um, playing it a lot and playtesting has been, I think, even more important than it has yeah. been for Root a little bit. Well, the, the asymmetry of our games makes it a little more challenging to develop, and there's a lot going on, and so you really have to, uh, a tweak in one place can have ripple effects all over. So Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, you know, it's like you're keeping six sets of rules in your head or something, and you need to make sure that all of them always line up, so that can be, yeah. that, that's always the challenge of it. Well, you also do graphic design, so like, how did you get started, or what inspired you to go into graphic design? So, I was, you know, in high school always, I was kind of one of the art kids, you know, took art classes, AP art, that stuff, um, and I was definitely the generation that was sold, like, if you don't do, if you don't want to do art professionally, because that's really hard, do graphic design, it's, so sure. I so I took their advice, and I went to school for graphic design, but truly the, I mean, the thing that's, you know, most exciting and why I love working here is, even if you asked any of my friends or people I know five years ago, like, hey, Nick, what do you want to do in the future? It was, I wanted to do graphic design for board games. This has always been my dream. Um, yeah. And it's it's the idea that now that I'm in the industry, I can make games in the way that I think is can bring them to more people. Sure. And that's where I think like the true value of my job can come in. Because laying stuff out and making it look cool is one thing, but making it so your your dad or whoever it looks at the game and doesn't feel intimidated and feels like it's something they can comprehend is where I think the next stage of yeah. this hobby goes. Because these games aren't, you know, even the most complicated of games, people are smart and, you know, your average person can play them. They just need to get over that barrier of intimidation, which is, I right. think, really important. Well, what were some of your graphic design goals for Mysterious Manor? Uh, so some of the biggest ones were clarity of turns mm -hmm. um, and clarity of options. So... Crystal Caverns and Mysterious Manor both offer character roles that have tons of options and ways you can tackle them in you know any number of ways. So trying to really dilute it down into a turn order that can be understood, giving operations um, an order to the things rather than kind of giving somebody just this open book of here's all your plays, mm -hmm. pick what you want to do. Me and Cole had a lot of focus on trying to design the player boards and the information in a way similar to Root where the player boards will teach you how to play. And by the end of the game, you know, you're hardly even reading it. You can recite your turn order to yourself. And, yeah. and that's really valuable in that process. What would you say the best part of your job is? Oh, man. That's really tough. <laughs> um, I think the best part is going when we go to conventions and showing people yeah. what we've been working on for a little while. Um, I had, I was at uh, PAX. I was like glowing when people at were unplugged? playing it. Yeah, or yeah. unplugged. Yeah, it was unplugged. Yep. And yeah, having people, watching people 
have those realizations of why a mechanic is interesting or you know catching themselves in the moment of oh no i've ruined myself and they finally see why is is truly that you know you're sharing that experience finally of like what you think is interesting is also interesting to other people and that's you know invaluable almost to like a creative person like me so it's really cool yeah run the game demos at conventions is one of my favorite things to do so Mm -hmm. watching people light up about you know a card that you've seen played a hundred times and things like that can just be so exciting what would you say your favorite role in Mysterious Manor is? What's your favorite one to play? Currently, right now, it's probably the Enchanter or the Skeletons. Okay. Um, and the reason I like the Enchanter a lot, one, he went through probably one of the most grueling developments of any of the roles to try to find what he was. Right. Drastically um, changed, yeah. Oh, yeah. The the number of different Enchanters is insane. Where we landed with the Enchanter, I found to be really satisfying because... He tries to find his space in the game, is the way I always describe it. You feel like everybody else has all this power, and you're just struggling to try to find where you can leverage it. How can I get my points? And um, opposed to another role where you you can pursue it actively and right. strong, it's it's, it's, it's this different game <laughs> you're of going of, after it. Oh my gosh, how do I do this? Where do I find it? And um, I think that's a it's a it's a really fun and frustrating puzzle to solve every time and his yeah. options play out differently every game where you get different tools to solve the puzzle so yeah what are curses what are curses so a curse is something that you can give out to treasures and poltergeists to uh to in- dominate them so the warlock's goal in the game i forgot we've been calling him the enchanter he's even been renamed he's gone through so much development <laughs> that's right it's the warlock it's the we warlock <laughs> um the warlock his goal is to um Collect magic from players by getting close to them without getting too close because his magic is very weak and he'll drop it all. And then when he's able to, he can um, draw, dump his magic onto poltergeists and treasures, dominating them. And his goal is to dominate five targets throughout the game. So he's playing a very evasive game state where mm-hmm. um, every big play he has is always very telegraphed. So you have to set it up in a way where people can't interrupt it or that you'll be able to leverage around it if they do, um, yeah. which I find really interesting. It's about options. Yeah, and we, we do need to be clear for everybody. Yes, the, uh, <laughs> there is no enchanter in Mysterious Manor. The name has been changed. It is officially the Warlock. Yes. So look for the Warlock in, uh, in Mysterious Manor. Well, Nick, what are, what are Screaming Skulls? A Screaming Skull is... Uh, so Casty is a, a magic skeleton, and he can summon his uh, Screaming Skull friends to help him attack yeah. um, enemy figures and things like that. They, they act as distracting as well so he can while he's running around summon these magic skulls that will scream at enemies scare them and then allow him to attack more often yep absolutely yeah yeah they're fun no yeah the casty is uh the, the skeleton crew is incredible um i think they have some of the most thematic um design within them where the they not only feel like a skeleton crew but thematically all of the mechanics tie back to who they are what their role is what um, they do yeah. yeah what they do even their names even their names <laughs> yeah I, I think it's really fun yeah. What would you say has been the most exciting challenge in developing Mysterious Manor? Uh, the most exciting challenge definitely would go to the uh, cross-compatibility with Crystal Caverns. Because whenever you have two properties that can work independently, trying to find that, that middle ground where they both can live um, was a huge challenge. Bringing roles over at one point was maybe going to be all the roles and some of the roles so, yeah um and finding that middle ground of you know what's a fun game while also what's an engaging a worthwhile experience can be you know that's that's the core of can development, be a challenge right yeah. that's the core of the development process when we took mysterious manor from crystal caverns it was you know to to tighten the rules to make things a little bit more 
um, strict and legal in the way they work. And Crystal Caverns is still a more wild game. Yeah. So you still get that experience when you combine them. And I think we kind of had to lean into that. As we started combining them, it was realizing that, yes, Mysterious Manor is maybe more tightly tuned or edited. Um, but when we bring the stuff back to Crystal Caverns, it should live in that Crystal Caverns realm. Yeah. Of a little wild, crazy, you know, tons of options, high variance, um, things like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what would you say your biggest challenge with the graphic design for Mysterious Manor was? With the player boards, for sure, it again comes to that um, diluting information to its core. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Patrick and Cole, if they ever make a role or make rules, essentially they come to me with a big document with a bunch of words and they say, here, here's the player board. Make it uh, a player board. Now. Yeah, make yeah. it a player board. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, at that point, it's a lot of not only negotiating with them, but negotiating with myself and the rules of what information is important, what needs to be repeated, what can you inform based on other things. So my biggest, one of the biggest challenges was ever taking those turn structures like the paladin, let's say, or like mm-hmm. the spider, where there's these moments where your options can be done in any order. Building those into that flow game state where everything has a step was a really big challenge. But in the end, I think it worked out really well. Both the, the paladin and the spider have some of the smoothest turn order, I think. Um, yeah. And I'm really happy with how that turned out. Well, overall, how happy are you just in general with the way Mysterious Manor has turned out? Oh, glowing um i i can't wait for people to get it um yeah there's playing with the the minis and stuff these past couple weeks and you know we're getting all the, the components to size and everything and seeing what it actually looks like on the table um the presentation of it all is amazing all of the player variants are super fun uh i think the roles are some of the most interesting asymmetric roles yeah. we've had in a game and again it's if you have any interest in asymmetric design or anything like that mysterious manner is a must Yes. Um, to check out it's the way the roles function together is incredible the way that cole and patrick have been able to manage different mechanics is it, it's masterful honestly it's it's really impressive yeah um, not to mention there's tons of miniatures in the tons box tons of miniatures um the the value the value proposition <laughs> is insane um yeah I, I can't wait for people to get in their hands i can't wait to see people paint those minis i can't wait to see way more sculpt like way more people do it how they want um it'll be really fun yeah well, Nick, tell us about what's the next project that you'll be working on with Leader Games. Uh, so it looks like the next thing I'm going to be working on is the Root expansion. Um, still yet to be finally named, but the expansion currently that's going to contain a new map as well as two new factions that Patrick's been working on, uh, mm-hmm. the Crows and the Moles. Um, so that'll probably be hitting my desk in about a week or two once I get the rest of the uh, Mysterious Manor files sent off. And yeah, that's going to be... Um, I'm the... I believe lead developer. Yeah, lead developer. Lead developer for yeah for the expansion. So it's going to be again a lot of the stuff I like. It's um a lot of play testing, a lot of laying out player boards, tons of reaching out, usability testing, um, all that fun stuff, uh, which is where I really think my my skills live, which is in that you know diluting information to what's important and delivering it to people in a, a neat way. So I'm really excited to get my hands on root. Um, Cole says he's excited for me to work on it too, so that feels like a, a boat of confidence. <laughs> yeah, hey Nick, I'm excited as well. I'm really, <laughs> That's good. I'm really looking forward to that uh, root expansion in the future there. So, well, that's it for this episode. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Leader Game Studio Cast. Until next time, happy gaming. Thanks. Bye.